This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Ain't Hard to Tell podcast, episode 230. Dexter Henry, Brian Fonseca here. Brian, what's up, man? Doing all right. Um, just watching the World Cup. And as you've seen, <laughs> as you've seen in our text, on our text thread, in our group chat, I've been very much, I don't know if you recall me being into the World Cup this much. No, no, I, I, I don't. I do not. And in 2018, I definitely wasn't as much. Um, probably because i don't know i was just very busy that summer covering a bunch of shit and now it's like it's at the end of the year and yeah we're still busy and covering things but it comes at a time where like i really want to see what happens with everything both on and off the pitch so it's been very very fun to observe from afar yeah we're gonna we're gonna get into that because it's been i mean look the world cup has a lot of things we could talk about because there's so much in terms of FIFA and how FIFA is in terms of regulating stuff that's problematic. And, and particularly, I was talking with somebody the other day about where we put these World Cup matches, the countries we go into, and then these stadiums are built. This also goes to the Olympics, too, by the way. This is the, the Olympics doesn't get to skate on this as well, too. The Olympics, where we put these things, how we need these countries after, where there's nothing to do with the infrastructure that's built in terms of these stadiums and stuff like that. This stuff is always fascinating to me. Um, the money, obviously, that goes into it. Um, then you have the political tensions, you know, U.S. and Iran uh, the other day, obviously, playing. So there's always a lot going on with, with, with that. Um, no, I do not recall people, just to let people know, Ryan is not a big football soccer fan. He does not Casual. get into it. I'm a casual, casual. straight-up casual if i had like if we're if we're ranking sports the top two in whatever order kind of depends which one i'm less annoyed with at the time but one and two boxing basketball whatever order it fluctuates three i'm like how how are you how how are you not always annoyed with boxing (laughs) i'm always annoyed with both because uh we you know we could talk about basketball and how it's covered and how all these players have the same moves and everyone's trying to play the same way and do the same shit and that's annoying um but that's for another day and then uh you have mma and baseball which is three and four that order tends to flip uh usually if the mets are really good it'll be at three baseball uh but it, yeah. mma kind of depends but 
And then after that is where you have the 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 next level, which is pro wrestling, which I don't watch as much as I, I don't have time for that shit. There's just way too much going on. AEW is not as good as their fans think. And you have um, WWE just has way too many programs. So I listen to podcasts that talk about it because people want to keep up with wrestling more than they want to actually watching it. Watch it because watching it is work and it's not as good as it used to be. Six would be just out of habit, the NFL. And then you have soccer and tennis, which are the two sports that I wish I'd watch more and get into more. I just don't have the capacity for it because of all the I'm, other things I just told you. I'm, I'm very annoyed here that you have soccer below wrestling, which- oh, I grew up with wrestling though. Look, I didn't grow up in the soccer. Y'all know like, how I feel no about- one in, No one in my career was really into, like I could draw a line to like, my dad was into baseball. I got into baseball. My brother was into basketball. My, I got into basketball. My brother was into wrestling. I got into wrestling. My dad was into boxing. I got into boxing. Like I could do that with football. I can do. There's no line to soccer or tennis. Nobody I grew up around watched and see, soccer. This, tennis. this stuff is cultural. Brian and I've talked about this many times off air. In that, you know, in Puerto Rico, which if you know from this, Brian is all into the international basketball, as I am too. And Brian has really, really been into it in the last year. You should check out his work on that. Um, but yes, Puerto Rico, you guys are not necessarily a soccer loving nation. Um, in the, in the, in the way, in the way that we're we're not even top 10 at CONCACAF, bro. (laughs) Right. In the way that me and people watching this can see, I got my Grenada football shirt on. Um, it is soccer and cricket, which I do not care for cricket. Um, I know people can have got into it. I cannot get into it. Um, but I am a soccer lover. Soccer is probably my second favorite sport, soccer, football. You see my, my shirt says Grenada football, because that's really what it should be called. It's the real football. Um, that is my second favorite sport. I am never going to put wrestling because y'all know how I feel about wrestling. And I don't necessarily think it's a sport, although because it's been a break since we we had done a couple shows. Brian knows this. I actually went to a wrestling show this summer. I actually went to see AEW at uh, the U.S. Tennis Center uh, in Queens, and it was a pretty good show. And what did I what did I know? I went there, and other than Brian, who's like the only other biggest, one of the biggest wrestling fans I know, everybody else I knew who is a big fan of the wrestling, they were in the building. Kurt Semter, Dan Serafin, they were up in the building. I didn't even know. Just looked through some Instagram stories on my way out. There they go. Should have known. Surprised Brian wasn't there. Action Bronson hit the ring that night. I was surprised Brian wasn't up in there. Felt like it would have been a good one. also, that was just, I don't I don't particularly like AEW like that, and I find their fans really annoying. Um, but I'm glad you have fun at the show. They're, they're, cool. They're, it's too it's too rehearsed for me in a way that, like, isn't it all? <laughs> no, but it, from the standpoint of like, the goal in AEW appears to often be, let's do as many moves as possible, and try to go all out every single night instead of building towards something. And they just sort of blow their wad every at every chance that they get, and for no reason. And a lot of what they do just doesn't make sense. And I'm not saying the WWE is like a ton better or whatever the case mm-hmm. may be, but I feel like it's less so. It's it's a little bit more of a uh, of a product that I could get behind. But they're lackluster too, although less so now that Triple H is in charge as opposed to Vince McMahon. So we'll see. We'll see how they go because WrestleMania season is coming. So we'll be talking about this on the show at some other point. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah, that saved me. Okay, let's get back to the uh, World Cup. Um, 
which I found rather fascinating. I'm glad that Brian has found it fascinating because he's been he's been texting a lot now, group chat. He's really been all into it. Gambling. Um, <laughs> the gambling aspects of it. Brian made a good point to me the other day, well, and to all of us in the group chat, and I thought it was a really good one, which is that, uh, I was about to say wrestling. Let's see what you did to me, man. It's got me talking about wrestling. Um, <laughs> soccer, particularly at the World Cup, is soccer's a fantastic sport to live bet, and I do agree with Brian on this. Probably enjoy it more than any other sport because you can sort of feel it out for a little bit, get a get a feel for the game, even though that doesn't always work. Somebody can be dominating possession, um, and that still still does not necessarily work. You might say, okay, I want to throw a couple of dollars on this person. It's very interesting, particularly in the World Cup, particularly when the stakes are high or somebody has a chance to be sent home, knocked out, whatever it may be. It is interesting. What have you been enjoying about this World Cup the most uh, in terms of what you've seen, any teams you've enjoyed watching, any teams you didn't like watching, any teams you wanted to get up out of here? What have you enjoyed about this experience? Poland stinks. I, I don't want to <laughs> see them anymore. I was so I was so annoyed that they are moving on to the knockout stage uh, instead of Mexico, which I know I understand that that's U.S. soccer's biggest rival. And I'm not like a U.S. soccer fan, but I, I find the U.S. soccer fandom quite interesting, right? This this happens every so often, especially around. Oh, we're going to get into this already. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't even think it's a bad thing, right? Because like, people want to grow the game. But I think the reason that people can really get behind them is because they're one of the only American teams that's like a real underdog story that people care about because the U.S. women's soccer team is so overwhelmingly good. And I think that's part of why they don't get the attention that they should, along with the fact like, hello, uh, you know, gender inequalities and how people perceive them and things of that nature, how people perceive the women's team as opposed to the men's team, yada, yada, yada. They're fucking great. They're badasses and they win. They actually win like at a high level, right? But people can't get behind that because they win all the time. Same thing with basketball. Like I feel like there's a little bit of a, not a little bit, there's a ton of expectation in terms of like not winning the gold as a failure for men's team, for the women's team, for Team USA, where I don't think that's the case with U.S. soccer and people like to identify themselves as underdogs so they can identify with U.S. soccer story and get behind it. And it's like, hey, we actually want to see this team get to wherever, you okay. know, okay. You know wh- wh- whatever, whatever, like overachieve, basically, you know, I'm glad I, I don't mean to cut you off, but I'm glad I, I do think there's something to what you just said. Right. I do think there's something to people wanting to see the team get to a certain point, like actually want to see them become a power. Like I think they're this underdog wave. There's this invested interest in us becoming a true soccer nation. They fancy themselves as a soccer nation. I don't think they really are. I don't think they're there yet. I think they still have a lot to prove, but I do think think they're getting closer though. I'll say that much. They are getting closer. They're closer, but they're still light. Light years might be strong. They're still a ways behind, and we might see that as soon as Saturday. We'll get it. We'll get into that. But I, I, I agree with you. I think it's more of like it's the one time. I, this is a weird thing. I was in a bar a couple of times to watch some of these matches, and this is the the feeling I get, which ties into what you're saying. I'm not necessarily sure if people like being the underdog here. I think it's that people are like, they don't like the fact that U.S. is the underdog. 
and they want that to change so badly. I don't think they necessarily enjoy huh. being the underdog. You've, you see, you hear what I'm saying? Like yeah, they, they yeah, want yeah. that to change so badly. How dare the- how dare they put country yes. X to to favor? We're we're fuck, we're America. Yes. That kind yes. of stuff. Right? And, yeah, and, yeah. and it's and, and listen, well, you can to me it's laughable in a way because it's like you've disrespected the sport. You have not necessarily invested in the sport you call uh, it for soccer. quite some time <laughs> until re- until recently, right? You call it soccer. Yeah, because that's the most American exceptional thing you can do. Yeah, we're going to take this sport that uh, started over here. We're just going to call it something different, right? Like, did so that's why, but all this, you you hear the USA chants at the bar. And so I'm standing there sometimes like, okay, I guess. (laughs) Like, I'm not, I'm not into it in the same way. And then watching the, we'll get to this in a second, the US and England match the other day. That was, I have family in England. And when I talked to my family in England, this was that was an L for them. Team and USA won zero zero. L. Team USA yeah. won zero zero. <laughs> it was a win here in the states for 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 the people over across the pond. It was an L. It was embarrassing. We're ranked fifth in the world. The Americans are sixteen. We should have wiped the floor with them. Embarrassing. Embarrassing. And this is them. their game. This is their game. Like, and it's their game. There's a different pressure that England has that nobody else has, honestly. Well, um, I, you know, and, and this is something that I'm familiar with when, for example, there's a big fight between Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. Mm-hmm. If you're American, it's a little different because, like, you know, it, it, from boxing, it's a case-by-case basis depending on who's favored, who's not. But there's a feeling of you can't lose to the British guy. Then in the UK, you can't lose to the American. There was some of this this past weekend in a lesser known fight, but still a meaningful one in the heavyweight division because of where these guys could go next. Where Dillian White fights Jermaine Franklin. Dillian White is from the UK. Jermaine Franklin is from America. Jermaine Franklin, little known heavyweight, was undefeated at the time. He ended up losing a narrow decision. Kind of think he should have won or gotten the draw, but. Again, UK judging, UK hometown, et cetera, et cetera. But like there's 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 a long sporting US versus UK rivalry when it comes to certain things. And the United States is very much little brother as far as soccer goes. And boxing, oh, yeah. it's in boxing, it's more competitive. Like there are history, historical matchups of UK fighters fighting American fighters, uh, like Floyd Mayweather versus Ricky Hatton being one, for example, mm-hmm. where a lot of people from the UK thought that Ricky Hatton was going to go and knock off Floyd Mayweather's undefeated streak. And that very much did not happen because Floyd Mayweather ended up knocking him out and into the turnbuckle. <laughs> not a turnbuckle because it's not wrestling, but, you know, into the corner. Yes. And he yes. hit his head and boom, and then fell out. Like, that That stuff tends to happen. So, yeah, I think the US and England thing was interesting, just observing, like, because we this is something that we have been talking about for a while. Because I remember when... When the groups got announced, we were in the yeah. group chat like, oh, USA and England in the same group. Like, this on Twitter is going to be ugly. It wasn't as ugly as I thought it was going to be, but it was very much fun just experiencing the whole thing. It it, a lot also, also, for me, it was, like, weird watching or having any rooting interest as somebody who's a big fan of the Premier League. Um, so there's a lot of Premier League players in there on the England side. And then U.S. And for me, this was the battle of the colonizers. That's what I looked. That's the way I looked at it. It was a battle of the colonizers, right? <laughs> like you got two of the most imperialistic colonial powers going facing off from each other. One that basically is a break off of each other, going head to head. And I just felt conflicted 
as a uh, first-generation uh, Caribbean-American, I felt conflicted on who to root for. You know what I mean? Like, and you know like, that came up in the coverage, too? Did you peep that? People were no, actually I bringing up. I've heard, I heard in some coverage, like, the re- just a couple references to, like, 1770 whatever and all this shit. Like, that actually came up, which I found but, surprising. But I'm like, yo, yeah. like, I get it. And you're right also. But yeah. I try not to, because, like, Raheem Sterling doesn't have anything to do with that. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> look, so I'm kind of like... Yeah, and, and listen, and, and I was I always you listen, I also wonder for some of the you know the first generation uh British immigrants that are maybe African or Caribbean that are playing for England that I wonder how they feel about this sort of stuff. It's always it's always very interesting. I watched that match, which was a good match. Look, I'll say that the, the US played very aggressive. Um I thought it was good. Um, you know, be nice you know, of the biggest match of the country. And all that stuff, and the U.S. obviously eventually advanced to the knockout stage, which is huge for them. I do not want to downplay that. Them advancing to the round of 16, defeating Iran, was absolutely huge for them. Do I think they can go past that? This this is probably where we're going to go now. They are going to play the Dutch. This is not your Dutch team of old, and I know you. Do, I know you're not into this, but this isn't your. You know, Dutch team for you guys, you soccer fans out there that had Robin, that had Van Persie. This is not that team. Shout out to my man Virgil Van Dyke, Liverpool center back on the team. He is probably the best player on the team. They have a fantastic defense. They're very good on their back line. They do not have a lot of creativity up front. The U.S. They are solid defensively with a lot, a lacking a lot of creativity up front, and do not finish very well. And now in this game, if Sargent doesn't play, Pulisic doesn't play, it's very interesting to see how this could go. Um, can, do you think, do you give them any shot? Can Team USA beat the Netherlands? Do you think they can beat the Netherlands? In any in any sport, if you could defend well enough, I'll probably give you a shot. And they could defend yeah. well enough. They, they held England to zero the entire match. And they've only allowed, if you really like boil it down, they allowed one goal in this entire World Cup so far that was a penalty kick. You know what I mean? Like, their defense has been really good. I'm actually surprised in looking at the odds for it. I'm seeing U.S. at plus 180, which I feel like that's – that's. Mm. I, I thought I'd get more value there. Mm. You know, and I don't know if that's patriotism, so to speak, or if that's the odds just like, yeah, we don't think this Netherlands team is that good, which – I guess you're letting a voice to, right? Minus 225. When I watch them, it's not like they didn't seem like an intimidating Dutch team that I've known from the past. They don't seem to be like... That's still Fran- a lot of juice, juice to bet them, though. Still a lot. Yeah, yeah. And it's like France, it's still, to me, like the standard so far in this tournament. I think Brazil's played really well. Um, I think I think Portugal, if Ronaldo was probably a half step faster couple years younger they'd probably be more mm-hmm. deadly but i think that they're really good um belgium just got knocked out which is very interesting I, I, and i feel like we've seen some things we've seen saudi arabia be argentina we've seen morocco go on this run where they're going to go into the round of 16 i don't think that's something that a lot of people saw coming nope. you know what i mean and you had belgium and croatia essentially playing to survive like in croatia i think got to the finals in the last world cup right so like i i just think that with team usa and the netherlands Team USA has a defense uh, to compete with practically anybody. 
uh, or at least the teams that they face so far. And then on the offensive end, where I worry is their level of striking is not there. Um, oh. Haji Wright coming in as a sub is just, I don't even know how he's on the roster. No offense. You know, I've been banging the drum for them to bring Ricardo Pepe along. And I know that he lost some form when he went to Augsburg and uh, in Bundesliga because he didn't score a goal there. And it was a tough system for him because it wasn't really, it was a bad move. But then he went to the Netherlands and really regained form and had something along the lines of seven goals and two assists in 10 matches. And I understand that that league, from what I understand, is um, easier to score. And yeah. obviously much easier to score than Bundesliga. But still, you want your striker to do that. And he regained form before the World Cup. And now he's still not on the roster. And there are spots where I'm like, if a Ricardo Pepe was there, maybe you actually beat Wales. Maybe you actually get a finish against England. Because <clears throat> they have guys on their team like Christian Pulisic, are we calling him Pulisic or Pulisic? Pulisic. It's Pulisic. It's Pulisic, right? But he wants to go by Pulisic because he's American, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, like, I know with him, he's not a true striker. Tim Way is not a true striker. These are guys who are forwards. They're not strikers. They're So, like, they're not going to be finishers in a way like a Ricardo Pepe probably could be or a Haji Wright is supposed to be. We still don't know about Josh Sargent. Um, but, look – I think they're stronger on the ball in a way that I, that past U.S. teams aren't always. I think this is definitely better than the team that tried to qualify in 2018. I think this is uh, maybe better than the Jurgen Klinsmann team in 2014. I don't know if you agree with that, um, but I think oh. that I think oh, that no, we no, no, no. this this is by far the most talent they've had on a roster combined with youth. Like, yeah, maybe but not necessarily will... always having the best players, but this is the most talent combined with youth that they've had. Sure. But the and the last point I'll make is like I do think like this and look this is as many guys that coming out of the United States that we've seen play in Europe probably ever right at this high level and for me it's like I want to see this team accomplish something before I'm saying this is the best U.S. team ever because in 2002 they got to the quarterfinals and I feel like we're just we're, we're we we need to let this team like let's see them play the Netherlands first before before we go crazy. They yeah. if it, if they, not to get sports talk radio first take you here, but this might be the best team USA team in the modern era if they beat the Netherlands. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be the case though. And, and it's it's not a good offensive team, right? Like there's not a lot of creativity up front. You, you said they lack that striker. It's just it's just not there for me. Which is why I do think this game against the Netherlands on Saturday at 10 a.m. knockout round is fascinating. Though here's why. Both teams, like I said, really good defensively. I see this game going, this match going, it could be scoreless. It, I think it's going extra time. And it would not, look, anything could happen in extra time. You're dealing with fatigue. Then you maybe start bringing on some subs and seeing what can happen. Anything could happen in extra time. But it would not shock me if this came down to PKs. Would not shock me at all whatsoever. That's where I might say the Netherlands have a bit of an advantage. But in these games like this in a knockout, when there's all the pressure on going home and two good defensive teams um, that are going to have to work hard, I think, to get shots, off shots on goal, that is, anything can happen, man. Anything can happen. And, and this is why I think this game is fast. If you're looking for goals here, I don't think it's going to be that. It wouldn't shock me if it's a nil-nil heading into extra time. That would not shock me at all. If somebody is able to sneak past the goal, one of these two teams, then a lot of pressure is going to be on the other team. 
I think it would behoove the U.S. if they find a way to make the most of their chances in the first half that they get one in, then they're they're playing good. They're, they're, they're good. I, I think they're good defensively. You know, so hold off. We saw some sketchy stuff against Iran where they struggled to hold them off. But look, they they have the talent to do it. I think if they I think if they win in the knockout round to get to the point you're talking about, Brian, about whether or not this is the best U.S. team ever. Ever, I think you have to get a win in the knockout round to 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 for us to talk about that. Um, I think getting to the quarters will be good. Then you're talking about that right there with that 2002 team. Um, I think that 2002 team might have been a little bit better up front in terms of talent mm-hmm. uh, than this team is. Landon Donovan won best young player of the whole World Cup. Right. You know what I right. mean? Like, I think people sleep, people sleep on, like, how good he was, particularly at that stage. And it was disappointing that in 2006 they didn't get out of the group. I think that was the, the Ghana year, the first one. Yep. Because there's been multiple Ghana years. But to your point about the attacking up front, I'm looking now at, like, wagering because this is one of the things that, like, you know, people have done in the World Cup, myself included. Anytime goal scorer bet, the first seven guys with the shortest odds, all from the Netherlands. And you don't get to an American player until Jesus Ferrara, Ferreira, excuse me, mm. plus 310. Josh Sargent, plus 360. And then you have Haji Wright. Tim Weah, plus 470, which is interesting. And Pulisic right now is at plus 480 later on. One bet that you just lent voice to that I really like, that I've been eyeing and I'm probably going to take, is either team in extra time, plus 550. That's interesting. Either team in pens, penalty kicks, plus 440. That's also interesting. You can sprinkle on both and get good value either way. Um, the USA in extra time plus seventeen hundred. I that might be worth a shot because I mm. I've been also like my inclination for this was this feels like I, for 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 some reason going into the the match with Wales I was like this feels like a one one draw and we got there right I bet exact score too nailed it England I thought they were gonna lose like two nothing didn't happen. But regardless, right. <laughs> right. And, and Iran, I was like, two, one, didn't happen. So one for three, that's fine. We're shooting 33% for the three. Not terrible. <laughs> Not great. But for this one, it feels like nil-nil going to extra time. It feels like it. And then, I love that bet. And this, that, that's sort of what I'm looking at for me, just from a betting perspective. I think I'm definitely going to do either team nil-nil plus 550. Um, though I could see it going into PKs as well, which would be which would be very much a spectacle. And look, it's Saturday morning. Like I, that'd be great. Give me more, give me more football. I don't care. Look, <laughs> I, I'll be, I'll be working and watching is going to be interesting. Um, I think the U S getting out of this group is a good thing, but if they, if they can beat the, the Dutch who, this is not a strong Dutch team. I just want to be clear. This is not a strong Dutch team as we've seen in the past, but they're still solid defensively. If they can do that, that's, that's huge for them. Um, now, right now at the world cup, as we're recording this, as we're going live and recording this, okay, we've got 12 teams are in the knockout round, still four spots left. Brazil, France, Portugal, Netherlands, Senegal, England, U.S., Australia, Argentina, Poland, Morocco, which I don't think anybody saw coming, Croatia. <laughs> Out are Qatar, Canada, Ecuador, Iran. Sorry about Ecuador, Luis. Uh, Iran, mm. excuse me, Iran, Wales, Denmark, Tunisia, Mexico, Saudi Arabia, Belgium, and Canada. Um, Belgium, probably the most shocking there. 
This is a team that a lot, some people had winning, some people had in the finals. This is the end, probably the end of a golden generation for Belgium that has been relatively disappointing Um, for them. They've always had the talent, but never healthy. That's really been their problem. Never healthy. And they don't make it to the round of 16. So they're definitely a disappointment. I think Mexico, you probably add there too, was a disappointment. Um, That's the one I wanted to ask you about. Yeah, go, what? Yeah, about Mexico. They haven't since they they make every they've been a staple my entire life. Like I grew up mm-hmm. Ridgewood, go past Star Park, Grover Cleveland Park. The Mexican homies are out there kicking around soccer ball, playing soccer. They have the net set up, the whole shit. I would watch. I would befriend some of them. Uh, you know what I mean? Like I had a I had a dude uh, when I was like nine where we played baseball together. He was Mexican American dude, and his dad, <laughs> like we'd go after the game, like around the park area. His dad would be playing soccer, and he'll pick him up or whatever the case would be. It was cool. Throughout my entire life, I feel like I've been watching Guillermo Ochoa in particular, like just make amazing saves and goal. Only got one save yesterday uh, because Saudi Arabia was just conservative as hell the entire match until toward the end for whatever reason they decided to score a goal, and Mexico didn't make it. This is the first time Mexico hasn't gotten out of the group since 1978. So Tata Martino is definitely getting fired. Um, but I think, like, based on what I've been hearing and reading, systemically this has been an issue in terms of, like, they're not really developing at the same rate as they used to. They don't have that many guys playing, you know, in Europe, for example, as, like, Team USA does. Uh, they lost recruiting battles for certain guys, Ricardo Pepe being one of them, maybe who they could have used, maybe they wouldn't. I don't know if they're inclined to play their young guys either. And they won some recruiting battles with David Ochoa, Julian Araujo, Efrain Alvarez. None of them ended up making the roster. And it's like they're – it feels like they're spiraling a bit. They're going to have to regroup a lot. And this is – some Chicharito was not on the roster. Like they've had some – relationship issues i guess with some of the guys who are mainstays on their team and this is big for me because team usa canada and mexico are hosting the next world cup and team usa looks to be the best team they're the only team from Concacaf left standing right and it seems like they're the best team going into that world cup of the three and there's a document called documentary called good rivals that i want to see uh metal arc is actually behind this they produce a documentary about the the rivalry between usa and mexico that's on amazon prime and i want to see that because there's talk about like the rivalry and the mexicans i think sort of thumb their nose that like this isn't really a rivalry like we can go to chicago we play in california we have more of the home fans which is true but lately as far as the results go this team has been struggling and they have three and a half years to get it right before the next World Cup where they're going to well, be one of the hosts. That's the thing I was going to say. Like, there's a lot of time between now and then. A lot of time between now and then. That, that goes by kind of quick, though. You know what I no, mean? No, no, no. Like, it I don't does. know how fast I, I, it is. Yes, you're right. It's a lot of time, but it can go by quick. I think it's a great yeah. point. You're right. However, this is, one, this is a very important moment for Mexico, right? You talked about the fact that they have not missed the World Cup since 1978. No, and, they missed one in the eighties, but they haven't out, made it. They haven't made, made it group stage. Made it out the group stage. Sorry. And, and look, in, in my entire life, that's their same, sport. Same me. Same here. This is their sport. 
Right. You know what I mean? Like we, so you have soccer for like Americans, for example, it's behind basketball, behind football, behind baseball, whatever, like behind hockey, behind hockey. Yeah. You know, like, but Mexico, this is their shit. So, (laughs) so that's my, that's my point here. What does that do to a country that has not missed the knockout stage since 1978? That is longer than I've been on this earth. They have not missed the knockout stage. And you said, this is their shit. They are proud. The pressure on them to get this done and get this right is going to be good. This is like their 2004 for our men's basketball team here in the United States. This is, no, you're not quite as embarrassing, but this is sort of similar to that. No, this, this is probably more embarrassing. More for embarrassing them. for them, because, right. because Because in 2004, for the United States, they got the bronze medal, right? right. And and we kind of knew like the best guys weren't really there. And as much as look, biggest moment in Puerto Rico basketball history was right. whooping whooping their ass, Carlos Arroyo in the in the opener for the Olympics, and that sent them on a spiral. I will acknowledge that yes, they didn't have all, you never take all your best guys injuries whatever, but you get the point. And Tata yeah. Martino's already been fired per reports. Like oh, that, I mean, so, this is this, this is no shock. That yeah. man, that man was final when was fired when the final three whistles blew. That <laughs> it it was it was a wrap. Like you, they were not going to let this man fly back to Mexico. They'd say we're not making a change. That is a proud team. They're going to be hungry over the next couple of years. Washington, you think they won't take when they play the U.S. in the Gold Cup seriously? Yes, they right. will. And they are going to be pumped up for that. Go ahead. And to Go that ahead. point, uh, like he's been fired. I just want to note. Because remember, I did a couple stories on this at LatinoRebels.com actually about the dual nationals that like are sort of defining this rivalry because there's gonna yeah. be more there's gonna be more sort of bidding wars to try to get Mexican Americans on one side or the other, which is gonna be very uh, key these next three and a half years as these teams are making their rosters. There's gonna be more coming up who are like under 18, under 19 rosters mm-hmm. now that they're going to be in their early 20s by that point that some of the guys we mentioned, Ricardo Pepe, you expect him to be on the World Cup roster by then. Tata Martino, there were rumors about him being fired, like regardless of how this went out, unless they really overperformed, outperformed expectations, which is why I thought they were going to struggle to make it out of the group. And I was actually um, surprised that they went out the way that they did because like I thought that their spirit could be potentially broken, but then I also thought that they were going to win because I bet on them. Um, Hercules Gomez. <laughs> Hercules Gomez said Tata Martino is the worst coach in Mexican history, Ouch. Uh, which I think, I, I, I mean, I feel like that's a fact, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> hey, wait, you're, you're out here like, yo, the results are the results. <laughs> right. Like <laughs> we, are, we are not necessarily going to argue it. <laughs> and and, and just, just totally as an aside, I feel like it, it just this is just for me, for international competition. Because for me, as far as being a soccer fan, I'm a casual I pay more attention to international. Like, I watch UEFA. I'll watch the World Cup, obviously. The Olympics less so because the world the Olympics isn't as big as the World Cup, and that's something that FIBA is actually trying to do with basketball, make the World Cup more meaningful to the Olympics. And I hope they get that done because the World Cup, there's more chances to win. The Olympics can only take but so many teams. Yeah, I like I like the, I like the Olympics for what it is, and that so, you're watching 23 and under. I'm, I'm fine with that. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because, like, for – Mexico now I wonder if because I don't like I I personally am like 
I would like the manager or the coach to be from your country because I feel yeah. like you really need to feel that. Tata Martino's yes. from Argentina. In I, Puerto Rico, I, we had I agree with you on this. We had Rick Patino coach Puerto Rico for a tournament before. I don't know if you know this. Rick Patino I knew this. Mm-hmm. Rick Patino was our coach for for like 2015 for a little bit. Um, you know what I mean? But now we have Nelson Colon, who better fucking get us into the World Cup or he's going to get fired. Um, you know, there's been other examples. Jurgen Klinsmann coaching Team USA. You know more examples in soccer than I do for sure about like, you know, guys managing clubs and they're not from that country. I think that I, I feel like you should be from that. If the player has to. I feel like the manager has to as well because you need to feel that more. You know what I mean? Tato Martino, like, yes, his name is disgraced, but he's also from Argentina. Like, I feel, like get somebody. Right. He he, who he has that. He doesn't, found, you know, has he doesn't have to go back. He doesn't have to go back home with the shame, right? Like he doesn't. He doesn't have to. I completely agree with you on this. I've completely agree with you on this, and it always seems like a lot of times this occurs in black and brown countries where we have people coaching our teams that are not from there. There's mm-hmm. this, a lot of that to me has to do with colonialism. There's this sort of thing that's like, oh, well, the football is played better in Germany or, mm. you know, England. And and for some countries like America, like Klinsmann mattered to them because they needed that, the organization that the roots of the sport just not being in this country matters. I'm more, I'm not as bothered about it in America as I am in places like Mexico. Like your country is very rooted in this sport. You can find yourself a top quality Mexican manager that is invested, that understands the passion of El Tree, that understands, mm-hmm. you know, everything that comes with it. The pe- that's going to understand if he's got to fly back home on that plane with the players for this shame of not advancing to the knockout round, he's going to feel it too. When you're from another country, you're like, you feel it, but you don't feel it. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, and 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 I agree with you. This is something that's bothered me, particularly, like I said, particularly in black and brown countries. Has bothered me a ton, and I wish I honestly wish FIFA would change that. Like, yo, FIBA too. You, FIFA and FIBA, both of them. And FIBA, you got to be a citizen of the country to coach them. Simple as that. Or have like some sort of like be a descendant or yeah, some yeah, some way. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you know, you know that I I I do agree with you. You you United States' best coach ever is Bruce Arena, right? You know what I'm saying? Right. Like statistically, right. it is. You know what I mean? Right, American like, dude. Yeah. I, I think it, it matters. It matters a lot to that. And I think that, that we should have that change. But that's another thing. All right. We, this is the most we've ever talked soccer. In this I, did, I, I, I gave you 30-something minutes on, on football, you did. bro. You did. Look you at did. the resume. That, I'll tell you what. That doesn't mean you're ever going to get 30-something minutes on wrestling, although we've done that before. So, it, you know, what, what are we going to do? Uh, let's talk a little hip-hop. Uh, album coming out that I'm kind of excited about. Absol announced his new album, Herbert. Herbert is his first name, which I actually didn't know. Uh, so people probably were going around calling Absol Herb, which I didn't know. I had no idea. Um, <laughs> yo, I'm a little, I'm excited for this. This is Absol's first project in six years. Okay. I think Brian, I, Brian and I probably talked about this. I cannot recall. Neither of us liked Absol's last album, Do What Thou Wilt. I did not care for that at all. I have never gone back to listen to it. In fact, just today, I was bumping my Ab Soul playlist, and I realized there's not a single song off that album on that playlist at all whatsoever. Um, however, I will say this for Ab Soul this year. I have, he put out, he's put out four singles, and he said in an interview with 
Ebro in the morning, uh, Peter Rosenberg, Laura Styles. He did say that all four of them will be on the album. I've listened to three of them. Um, the first one he released, I think, earlier in the spring was Hollandaise, really good upbeat song. The best song of these three is probably, which I've said to Brian and Brian's heard, um, Do Better. It's a fantastic song. It's kind of a depressing video, but really good in terms of just the mantra of self-improvement. Um, and it sounded like Absol back at his finest, Brian, with the wordplay, with the the concept. I love the production. Soundwave, I believe, produced the track. Or it's DJ Dahi, I think, produced the track. Um, really good. But Absol seems a lot more focused. He says this album is more personal about him. I think some structure and focus to this actually is going to help him. Are you excited about this Absol album? I am, because it's been a while since we heard from him. I think he's one of the more underrated lyricist out there in the game. Um, are you excited about this project? I don't know about excited. I'm, I'm curious. I'm going to listen to it. But like, uh, it's been so long since we heard from him. And the last time I heard from him, I didn't like what I heard. So that means like it's been nearly a decade at this point. It's been 10 years to control system. And then in 2014, he dropped uh, These Days, which... Did you did you like these days when it dropped? Because I know these, I don't think we these days for me was okay. Yeah, um, like it was it's not, not something as, I went back to much either. You know, there are I some mean? songs off of it that I really like, um, but it's an, I don't think it was it was nowhere near as good as Control System is his best project. That's the thing. Long term mentality was also good. Classic victim of his own success type of dude. By the way, Control System probably a classic. A uh, victim of really his own album. success type of dude. Control System. And long-term mentality, I enjoyed both yep. very much. Those were his best two projects. 2012 and 2011 is when they came out. So mm -hmm. for me, it's kind of, look, he sounded good in the interview. Like I had texted you before because you sent it to me uh, where he spoke to uh, Hot 97. And I was like, is he? Because it said, it, the, the headline made it seem like he was on the outs with TDE to some extent. Yeah, nah. And I was like, yeah. is, this go, is this something that's going south? And then I was like, oh, no, no he actually sounds, it sounds like... <laughs> It sounds like somebody who like is about to drop an album uh, that's very introspective, that their first name is the title of it, and they sound refreshed <laughs> and all this shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's yeah, what yeah, it sounds yeah. like. And he's about to like, it does really, sound like that. really get into his bag. And, you know, I, I, I like he, he sounds like he's did some searching and has learned a lot of different. Uh, I, I don't know. Learned a lot about himself, maybe is a way to put it. Right. Um, but, you know. I, I'm not gonna ask. I don't. I don't want to be that guy to ask for like, give me, give me the control system, absol type of shit. I don't like what artists like. You know, you don't. Yeah, I don't need yeah. that, right? But you want just a good project, right? Like he's been away for a while. It's been six years since his last project. His last project we touched on was you know kind of lackluster, uh, at least to us. And it's not something that a lot of people tend to go back to. And these days, sort of sandwiched in between, but it's also the follow up to Control System, which is a very hard thing to to follow up. And in general, I think <laughs> this is why this is why this is why I have an issue with AEW, for example. You can't try to have the best match every single night. You got to pace yourself. You got to tell a story. You got to build up to that point. And sometimes mm -hmm. when you drop a, a great album right off the bat. Like Nas did with Illmatic, he dealt with this throughout his career. It was written was still very good, but then 
a lot of people would be like, yo, but he hasn't dropped anything as good as Zomatic, and they would do this for his entire career. Now we're at the point where it's like he's had enough great albums that I think people don't necessarily go down that route, or if they do, it's just pure ignorance, especially with the run he's been on. So ultimately, you just want Absol to put together a great project and something that you know can stand alone. It doesn't have to rival control system or whatever. It just has to be really, really good, and that's all people are going to care about at this point. Yeah, I don't. I don't ever think it's fair to artists to do that. I, it, like, if you, if, if, if on some level you want there to be a standard of quality, I'm fine with saying that. I don't, you know, I don't think somebody has to recreate what they did before or do that. They're, they're, you know, when people put out, especially when people put out multiple great works, whether it's Nas or Jay, or Kendrick, whomever it may be, there's this, I, all, there's a standard of quality I expect um, in terms of what they do. I don't expect any of these things to sound the same. It's just I know that standard of quality that's either delivered or not. The thing I will say with Ab Soul is I think, and and I think with his previous two projects, I think it lasts where his first two projects, Long Term Mentality and Control System, I think those projects had focus in them and good structure, where his last two didn't. It sounds to me like he's backing on this. This is very personal. I, In a way, I expect it to be good because I think he's done some growth to what you said, and I think that matters here. Um, we have to allow artists and different people to to grow in different ways, and I, hopefully, he's done the growth. I, you know, I just think he's very talented, um, and you know, we haven't heard from him in a while, so I'm intrigued to see what he has to say. Um, you know, I saw Elliot Wilson posted a picture with him and said, you know, hold up on your hip hop of the year, uh, you know, album list, album, you know, hip hop album of the year list, and he's like, hold up on it because Absol's got something to say. I'm like, okay, I hope so. We'll see. I mean, I think I pretty much have my top 10 set brian and i will be doing that in a couple of weeks um our different parts in that which is like literally one of my favorite things to do from the year because i love this time and we'll get this will get into our next topic but i love this time because now i'm really going back and brian and i we, just to let you know we take this seriously we got the notes going on but i know brian's got a document i got a document yeah we're taking yeah. our notes we're we're re-listening to things do we feel the same way about something we listened to in march that we feel about it now and all this stuff so this is one of my Fun to do. Maybe Absol does crack that. Maybe it does not. But uh, speaking of that, it's the fourth quarter for hip hop. It's the end of the fourth quarter. Shot clock is winding down. Is there anything that you would like to see, Brian, in this la this last month of the year? It's December first. We're doing this last month of the year. Anything you would like to see in hip hop uh, that we haven't seen? Because last year we got one of the best gifts at the end of the year. <laughs> we got magic on Christmas yeah. Eve. That was fantastic. Hit boy, all, Hit boy teased the magic too on his on his Twitter, which I was like, not the, not like not any specific time, just that it could it could happen. And I'm like, wait, wait, oh, wait, 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 hold on. Did I hear you right? You said Hit Boy teased magic two, as in the number two, or T O O is also like another magic, oh. like in a like somebody tweeted at him like, oh my, are, are y'all gonna drop a magic? to whatever and he didn't confirm or deny it he just kind of like you know i think he retweeted the comp i'm like yo if they, they're not gonna do it now because they just dropped the album like they're not gonna do that you if don't know magic, that you don't know that two, if the magic two comes out next year i don't, know what I don't really <laughs> need it i don't really need it right now Me neither, i don't need but it right now it's gonna be as good as magic one <laughs> Cause magic, cause magic one, magic one is very high for me and Nas projects I, right now. I, I didn't want to go straight to Nas though. In terms of what I'm looking for, yes. One, there are there are a couple albums that I feel like 
will be in consideration for my list that I have to listen to because I've heard they're really good. One of them being Stormzy that just dropped that I need to get to. Yes, I've heard, I, I've heard it's really good. And I, I like Stormzy as well. I like Stormzy. It's called This Is What I Mean. Didn't know he was on Death Jam. Um, that came out. Uh, Drake and 21 Savage, I don't think I'm going to listen to it. So I listen to it. How is it? Nah. Okay. Nah. I'm good. Uh, don't know what it is, but he dropped something that came out. May listen mm-hmm. to that. Um, Vinny Paz, I haven't heard this. Uh, that came out, and it's called "Tortured in the Name of God's Unconditional Love." That sounds like an underground ass album. I'm just gonna. <laughs> yes, it sounds very dark too. Yes, it, it also does. sounds very dark. Damn, I don't know if I want to listen to that. Um, and then there's a bunch of stuff that's. We'll see if it comes out, but like, today's December first, so. Tomorrow's release day. You got A Boogie supposed to be releasing uh, next week. Metro Boomin's actually supposed to be releasing tomorrow. I saw that. Metro Boomin's got an album coming out. There's some excitement around that. I'm going to check it out. Uh, I, I've been very bad this year in terms Is there of a track list? Is there a track list out for that Metro Boomin yet? Maybe. I'm going to check. I've been very bad this year, just to finish this point, about like listening to albums as soon as they drop. I've tend to like wait, which is probably the better move, right? But I've tend, I think it's I've a, tended, I think it's a good move when you want to try to stay away from noise. Like, and I do I've this tended bit. to wait. Yeah, even with Nas, I didn't do it at midnight because I'm like, if this is good, I'm not going to go to bed, and I'm trying to get to bed. Or I did. I did it at midnight, and it was good, and I, I didn't go to bed. That's so Absol Absol supposed to be December 16th. So and December right 16th. That is, yep. That's right after that's probably when we're going to do this. And you have also on that same day, Chief Keith. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not looking forward to anything in particular. I'm just looking forward to, uh, revisiting a lot of projects and putting this list together. Ransom had a great album that I thought uh, came out earlier this year. Um, Freddie Gibbs, he dropped and that's something I'm still playing. In fact, you know, it's Spotify rap season. And when you looked at my top five artists, I was glad that there were there were no because I went back and I was listening oh, to like yeah, top five was pretty I was listening to some hell. wild shit this year. Cause if you looked at my genres, hip hop was one, trap latino was second, alternative metal was three, big metallica year for your boy. Guys, uh, guys. a lot of, a lot of classic metallica. This this um, as I told Brian, his I said this in the chat, his top five uh artists he listened to was on brand for him musically. On brand as fuck. The, the genres top five genres he listened to was on brand for him culturally. Hip-hop, Wasn't shocking. trap, Latino, alternative metal. Latinos like metal. Uh, rap and tropical. Um, a lot what, of Metallica. Wait, what is tropical? They pr- they probably file salsa under that. It's got to be that. It has to be that. It has to be salsa. I hate that. I, That's I, way too general. Yeah. It's like, ha- like when they put reggae under world music. No. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, ha- it has to. That's what it has to be because there's nothing else that would make sense. Top Tropical. artists were top artists were Freddie Gibbs one, Nas two, and I honestly I think Nas is only two because his album dropped late in the year. Three, Denzel Curry, love that album. Oh man, my top ten is gonna be good this year. It's gonna be better than last year's top ten. Yeah. Joey Badass finally released an album this year. Another one we're gonna talk about. That shit was really good. And Kendrick Lamar was fine. Brian asked top five this year. I'm surprised that there are some other artists that didn't crack it. Um, well, do you have Spotify or uh, I do. Apple? I'm an Apple Music user. Just um, real quick, real quick side. Do you have, do they give you your top podcast that you listen to on Apple? No, but what they do is they give you, the only thing they do, and I wish they did that. I wish they'd bite that off of Spotify. I think it's dope that they do that. The only thing that they do is they give you your top 
songs of every year that you've listened to. So, which is cool because you can go back and look also. at the stuff. We have that also. You can look at it. What happens like a playlist for me? Of a hundred songs or something like. That. Yeah, they do the same. What happens for me and where it gets messed up for me is that my daughter, oh, she ends up <laughs> playing stuff. So if you look at it, it messes up what's my top songs. Like if I look right now, I'm pretty sure the top song is We Don't Talk About Bruno because that got played in my house mm. 8 million times. And that mm. had nothing to do with me. I mean, it was playing it. It was through my account, but it wasn't me really listening to it. Okay? So it's funny because I'm going to look now. Because um, funny because Apple, Apple's been uh, been promoting this as they do. Oh, no, no, no. Funny you say that as I'm looking at it. It seems like Apple is now starting to do the artist thing. Um, and there's this whole thing you got to like log into. So it seems to me like they're expanding this this year. I wonder if they have podcasts because Spotify gives you top five podcasts that I listen to. And I disagreed with the list. I just did. Other than Levitar, Levitar was number one. But Levitar has probably been my most listened to podcast for 10 years. Hmm. Oh, this Jim. thing is like a top song was We Don't Talk About Bruno, like I said. What's the top and, song and, played by you? <laughs> the top song played by me? Meet Joe Black Nas. Oh, my God. <laughs> Number one song played by me. Number two would be Belize, uh, Black Thought, MF Doom. Uh, I, I'd have to look through more for that. But the number one played by me is Meet Joe Black Nas. Let me, what, were, what were my top songs from this year? Because here's the thing. I get, like, this year especially, I was going back and listening to a lot of shit. I didn't, li- like, my, my top songs for 2022 is going to be loaded with songs that were not released in 2022. And for whatever the, the top song that I have from 2022 is Falling Up, Dr. Dre, and whoever else is on this song, I don't remember, but that's from the GTA um bonus that came out earlier this year. And Falling Up is dope. I didn't know that was like my most played song of the year. Storytime by Favio is here, Pepas by Farruko. <laughs> I know now that, I know. Now that I know. we're dead by Metallica. <laughs> wow. No, okay, here, here are the artists. Here are the artists this year. They have this now. They got the data on okay, this. Let's see. Nas is number one. Okay? Yes. Number two is Kendrick. This And this is determined by minutes. Listen to. They don't tell us here, but I assume. They tell you. Nas, I've listened to for 4,405 minutes. Oh, Kendrick, they don't tell us the exact number. No. Kendrick, 4,283 minutes. Black Thought, 3,326 minutes. This, uh, this might influence a lot of what my favorite albums of the year are. Uh Danger Mouse counts in that too. And Kanto is number five. Um, in terms of listen to uh Lupe is at eight, Joey Badass at nine, but that's not in my ranking because my daughter's messed this up. Um oh my number one album listen to this year. It's funny by listening, I by albums, it's very it's very interesting. King's disease is already five. In the, in number the one, in one albums oh, in top albums listened to, it's already number five in listens, and it's only been out for two almost two weeks. My top, my, my top artist was way is Freddie Gibbs, but the minutes yeah. listened was one thousand seven hundred sixty two. It's his top zero point five percent of listeners, <laughs> and and albums listened to. Cheat Codes, Black Thought, number one album. Kind of bumped that a lot heavy in the summer. Danger Mouse joint, yeah. I got to go back and listen to that again. Um, Kendrick, we'll probably Kendrick's, about that. Kendrick's album's number two. And this does not reflect my order of albums. I can tell people that already. So by, the way I listen does not actually reflect my order yeah. of actual how it'll be. Yeah. Number three is Magic. Number four is Drill Music and Zion, Lupe. 
And number five is King's Disease. So the albums I played the much. If I had to look, I'm looking at sick. The next album is Joey Badass, which is what I assumed. I was just thinking Lupe, about what Lupe. I like. Lupe is not cracking my top ten. I'm letting you know right now. I know, I know a lot. Of, I know a lot of people really like that album, but it's not going to be. A I really like that album. There, yeah, there, wow. I could tell. I could tell because like there are other albums that I'm thinking about, and I'm like, yeah, I don't think that's going to get up there. It is Lupe's best project. I'm very intrigued. I'm very intrigued to see what your non-hip hop album of the year is this year. Oh, that's not even a question. I, I'm Anyone very, listening to this knows what that's going to be. I'm very I'm intrigued. Spoil it, but <laughs> mine, mine is. I know what I, it is. I'll tell you what. It's it's I, very easy I, for me. I'm gonna tell you this. I'm not gonna spoil it here. I knew what my best or favorite non-hip hop album and non-hip hop song would be the moment I heard both of them. I knew what I, it was I, right away. I, I feel similarly. <laughs> I feel similarly to me too. There were some, however, this was a good year. There was a lot of non-hip hop albums that I really liked. And I'll mention this when we talk about this. There was there was five, but there's one that I think that stood out really stood out above the rest in terms of the body of work. So but you know what? Shout out to Apple Music for uh for finally um you know updating and and doing this where we're getting more data. I think Spotify pushed them into that getting more data with the artists and all this stuff. So it's good. Shout out to them. Yeah I think um it's gonna be interesting when it gets to album time because I'm looking at some of the songs that I listen to a lot and I was like a lot of these songs aren't even from this year so this going to be an interesting thing because usually what i'll do for my songs is i'll go first thing i'll do is i'll go see which and there aren't a lot of things from this year that i was playing a lot there's a lot of like older shit from last year that came out um the revenge is here by joey badass that's interesting i love that song but that's not gonna make my top like, I did. 10 or whatever it didn't fit the album but i love that song yeah i, I loved it as a single and it's uh, it, it works great as an alarm to wake up in the morning which i've used it for um then there are a lot of joints that didn't really come out this year that I just went back and Cha Cha is here by a uh, girl code. Uh <laughs> oh yeah, that was that yeah, that was one of my joints this year. I don't know if that's gonna that be one of my top or whatever, but hey, I found something that's probably gonna make it. Um, but it's it's gonna yeah, I feel like this is gonna be a harder year to categorize because I felt at times just uh is personally it's just been an emotional fucking year, ups and downs and shit. Are are we Per personally and professionally, so it's like I've just I've just gone back and listened to a lot of old shit. So there are times where I distance myself from like newer music a little bit. No, I could mm. I could understand that. I just, this year I was thinking about EP of the year, and I was like, does Magic count for this year? Because it's did we should. make it last year? Did we put it last year? We might have no, because I think year. we recorded before that, so we couldn't put oh. it last year. Mm. Yeah, it counts. it counts. I don't have a replacement for it. So and I don't really. Well, that, well, it's our show. Anything it's our yeah, show. We'll, yeah, we'll 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 figure that out. Um, okay, I was going to talk about this uh, LeBron and Jerry Jones pick. We are kind of running out of time. Do you want to talk about this or not? I don't have a ton to say on it. Um, I, I I'll, I'll say I'll say my quick piece on it. Okay. Yeah, please. So LeBron James was asked. Yeah, to talk to some reporters before his recent game, or whatever, and he asked everybody. Why he didn't get any questions about Jerry Jones? Y'all ask me stuff about Kyrie and all this stuff, and I feel like there's a lot around this um, that has kind of annoyed me to a degree. Uh, a lot of people up in arms. For people that don't know, Washington Post—they've been doing a series on the hiring of black coaches and the problems around it in the NFL. So they've been looking into it, and they've been looking into it. And one of the things they've been looking to is 
owners like Jerry Jones and why they haven't been inclined to change their hiring practices, right? So this picture is in this article where Jerry Jones, you see him outside of when they were trying to integrate one of the schools in Little Rock, Arkansas, back in the mid 50s, it was 56 or 57, I'm not sure. So Jerry Jones is outside and you see some angry white teenagers or white men uh, not letting these black kids in. And we all know that's terrible. You don't have to say that, we all know it's terrible. People were upset that Jerry Jones is out there. They want to take him to task. And when I saw the picture, somebody sent it to me, and I actually didn't know the context fully of the Washington Post article. My reaction was, okay. It's 1956 in Little Rock, Arkansas. Not surprised that there were a bunch of white people doing some racist stuff. Probably not surprised teenage Jerry Jones was outside with the people doing the racist stuff. Doesn't shock me. Do I know if Jerry Jones is racist? No, I don't know Jerry Jones personally. Has Jerry Jones done enough to advance or try to hire black coaches in the NFL? No. But so have a lot of other owners not done it. A lot of them are horribly bad about it. And the thing that this Washington Post article was trying to show, which I think was a fantastic point, is that in America, there's a lot of white people who can be like Jerry Jones who hire black people. Because you know that's the argument that's going to come. Oh, well, he's made a lot of black people rich. He's made them millionaires and all this stuff. Okay, cool, as if that absolves you of any other thing that you do. Fine, that's all good and well. But what does he do to help people in his organization? Is it really more diverse? Are there more black coaches? Maybe Jerry Jones was involved with the mob. Maybe he was stopping the kids from getting in, the black kids from getting in Little Rock back in the day or not. Maybe he wasn't. Or maybe he just stood by and watched. But there's a lot of white people who consider themselves well-intentioned that'll have black people around, that'll have them employed for them as long as they're making money for them, especially in entertainment. And they'll stand by and say, oh, well, I don't really have to do something or really put the work in to make this better in terms of diversity hiring. They're not necessarily gonna be Bruce Arians or Kyle Shanahan, coaches who've actually done this. That's fine. My issue with what people are doing, is I kind of don't understand why people are so outraged about the picture of Jerry Jones or think there's this thing that he needs to do should he have apologized for it? Yeah, I guess. But what was that going to do? Nothing. It doesn't change what happened in the past. It's not going to change anything about the civil rights movement. It's not going to change those racist white people that were doing that in Little Rock in 1956. And probably some of them, maybe most of them, still have those same racist ideas. I'm sorry. I guess I don't get caught tripping about old racist white people. Because it's just like, yo, they're going to do what they do. And they're probably not going to change. I get that. Should people be held accountable? Absolutely agree for that. Should we should we hold everybody accountable for what they did when they're 15? No, because if you held me accountable for what I did for 15 or Brian, what we did for 15, you might think we've never grown or we're horrible people. I don't think it's that serious. Listen, the argument that I think LeBron is trying to make is that do are black people held to a higher standard when he does something wrong? Because people want to compare Kyrie to this. And I don't think you need to compare both things. Two things can be true. Kyrie was a jerk for what he did and what he did was stupid and was absolutely offensive. As a teenager, Jerry Jones also is a jerk for being there, as was most of the white people at that time in the South, right? And still are to this day because America has never healed any of its racist past. And I understand that to a degree, right? But we don't have to make this excuse, particularly as black people being like, yo, but what about what they did? As that, as that somehow absolves it. Yes, are things we do held to a different standard? Absolutely. No doubt about that.
but the two things aren't the same. And here's why they're not the same. And this is why I think people were missing with the Kyrie stuff. Kyrie is beholden to the NBA and the Nets. He works for them. He represents them. And what he was doing was going to affect their bottom line. The same way Robert Sarver, who's white, what he was doing, and he was it affected the bottom line. Once the sponsors were said, talking about pulling out, that's when they had to get him up out of here, right? And he had to do everything he needed to do. And he was suspended for the year and all of that. Once this happens, this is what goes down. Jerry Jones isn't really beholden to anybody. You could say the NFL, but when has the NFL showed you that they cared about race as affecting their bottom line? If they did, Colin Kaepernick would still be playing. And NFL has never shown that to care. And we know this is fact. We know that most, and this says a lot about America in general, they don't care about measures of race or inequality when it comes to the football fan base or how it affects their bottom line. If there was, Roger Goodell would be out here saying something. The reason Adam Silver had to say something about Kyrie was because it would have started to affect his bottom line. And unfortunately, Jerry Jones, like a lot of other super rich white men in this country, in certain spaces, don't really have to answer to anybody. The NFL and the NBA are two different things, two different leagues in the way they operate, two different places in how they can handle things based on race. Should the NFL care about race? Yes. But what have they shown you that they do? Jerry Jones apologizing. Well, I would love to see that. He could have said, hey, this is a bad moment, something I shouldn't have done. Fine. Do I think it really changes anything? No. I don't think it does at all. So if you want to say that, oh, well, Kyrie had to do this and he had to apologize and all this stuff, which he did need to do, so I want to be clear on that, and Jerry Jones didn't have to do it, the difference is in the leagues and who's beholden to who. We like to act like everybody's equal in every situation, but every situation is equal. We're not comparing apples to apples here. We're comparing apples to oranges. In a perfect world, should Jerry Jones be held accountable? Should he, should he have had to answer for questions on this picture a long time ago? Yes. But that's not the world we live in. And I'm going to be honest, man. We need to move forward in stuff and actually hold the real systemic injustices accountable, worrying about however old Jerry Jones is and what he did back in 1957 or whatever it may be ain't really changing shit at all. It ain't changing shit for my black ass. It ain't changing shit for your minority ass at over at all whatsoever. So it's like, yes, I understand why you might see that and be disgusted. And it's, there's tons of disgusting images from the civil rights era that I'm disgusted about. But Jerry Jones, nah, man, not really bothered about it at all. Brian, do you have anything to add? Not really. I just think that uh, I get LeBron's point about wanting to be asked by this because he feels like he's asked about everything. But I think this is a little bit of a different, different thing. Jerry Jones is not like an NBA owner, for example. They right. asked him about Kyrie Irving because Kyrie Irving is not only a player that used to play with him and he's been friendly with and he hasn't necessarily talked down to it in 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 person uh in public, but is also somebody who had ties to potentially go back to the organization and is also a higher up in the players union, which also represents LeBron James. So it's a it's a thing that hits a little bit more at home. Uh Jerry Jones, I mean. He's the owner of the Cowboys, and that's LeBron's favorite team, allegedly. But he recently also said that he's going to be a fan of the Cleveland Browns for now going forward, where he's from. And, oh, by the way, Sean Watson's about to play first game this week. So, like, like I don't know what LeBron's point is. I get what he's trying to do, and I generally commend him for the things he does, but I also think he's talking out of both sides of his mouth sometimes. 
Yeah, I think on this one, I agree with you. They're not the same, and we don't have to do this. Two things can be true, people. Two yeah. things can be true. It does happen. It can occur. All right, that's it for this episode of the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. Episode 230. 230. We'll be back next week with another one. What do you say? No, I just repeated 230. That's it. Oh, <laughs> I thought you said something else. 230, we'll be back next week with another episode. I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about, including it'll be fully and well into the knockout stages of the World Cup. So we'll see if the U.S. is still alive by the time we come back for our next episode. That will be interesting. We didn't even talk any basketball. Brian's Miami Heat, they out here looking extra regular. My New York Knicks are looking extra mediocre. Uh, we could get into that next week because yeah, we I've got a lot to say. And I want to hear what Brian has to say because Brian's been a little bit quiet on his heat because there's really nothing to say. They've been they ain't that good. That's why. <laughs> they they banged up and they ain't that good. <laughs> we, we we will talk about a lot of that next week. Ain't Bam's uh, fault, though. Bam's been awesome. He has been good. I will will have to say that. He has been good. Your boy, Bam, has been good. But we will talk about that, dive into the problems around uh, these teams, the NBA, MVP candidates who we're looking at in terms of betting and all that other stuff. Um, I also would like to talk next week about why the baseball offseason is so damn boring. Because it is. It needs to get better. It's just so boring. Also, also, I will last couple notes. One, Uh Tyson Fury fighters this weekend. I will have content yes. on that on my YouTube channel, on Action Network, maybe somewhere else. I'm not sure yet. Uh, and Teofimo Lopez and Terrence Crawford are both in action next weekend, as well as Xander Zayas. He's on the undercard of the Teofimo Lopez fight at the Garden uh, on Heisman Trophy night. And Jared Anderson, big baby, who's uh, living up to the nickname better than Jarrell Miller was at one point, but he is the new big baby, Jared Anderson. He's, I think, 11-0 with 11 knockouts or 12-0 with 12 knockouts. Exciting heavyweight prospect. They're going to be on the car and that should be fun. Also, we'll touch on that and I'm sure I'm going to have content around that. So, All right. Also, you should on. see Brian Brian and I will be doing a video on those boxing. Should be on your post, SNY. We should be doing some stuff on ah, that yes. over That's the right. next couple of weeks. We're doing one this weekend, so check that out on Saturday. We'll be on there. You know, Brian always comes on with me to do some boxing and some boxing betting stuff. We do that. So, you know, we always we're, – we're everywhere. We're everywhere. I'm going to have a lot of stuff on this Fury fight. It's going to yeah. be – it's supposed to be one-sided, but that, that ain't going to stop me from creating content around it. Content. So. <laughs> There'll be a lot of content coming out of that. Check that out. All right. That's it for this episode of Ain't Hard to Tell Podcast, episode 230. Until next time, y'all. Peace.